you're breathing in and out through your mouth the whole time, putting your body under a slight stress response, you're going to feel a little bit rubbish moment to moment, day to day, simply because of the level of stress you're putting your body under. What you will also do if you're breathing in and out through your mouth the whole time, moment to moment, day to day, is you'll blow off quite a lot of carbon dioxide. Now, the more carbon dioxide you blow off moment to moment, day to day, the more you increase your sensitivity to it, which basically means that what governs your respiratory rate isn't there being a lack of oxygen in your blood, it's your brain perceiving that there is too much carbon dioxide in your blood. Hi, I'm your host, Kim Hartwell, personal trainer, movement coach, and yoga teacher with over 10 years experience in the wellness industry. I'm also the founder of the Move Your Soul online membership space. Move Your Soul, both the podcast and the membership, have been created to provide you a safe space for learning, self-exploration, and growth for long-term well-being. Through this podcast, I'll be interviewing renowned experts in the field. We'll learn together about the most up-to-date, relevant, and thought-provoking insight into movement and mindfulness techniques. Then I'm super excited for you to be able to put these learnings into practice through the online membership. The membership has a whole host of on-demand classes available for you to practice wherever in the world you are. So let's get started with the podcast and down to the learning. Okay, so James Dowler, thank you so much for joining us on the Move Your Soul podcast today. Um, You're also known as Brief with James. And if you haven't heard of James before, then he um, spends his time teaching people to use their breath to alleviate emotional issues, improve their physical health and connect them to a deeper understanding of themselves. And what I really love about James is he describes breathwork as the missing pillar of health. So we're going to delve a little bit deeper into that today. James, hi, how are you? Very, very well. Thank you very much. Very happy to be here. Yeah, thanks so much for being here. So I guess a really nice place to start is just kind of obviously welcoming you to the pod. And just could you give us a little bit of a background about who you are, what you do and how you've kind of come to where you are at the moment? For sure, for sure. Um, it's always an interesting one where to start with this one. So yeah, as you very aptly put, I guess, my breath work, I teach people how to use their breath as a vehicle for healing and elevating their physical and mental health. And I guess the sort of journey um, into doing what I do now began probably about 10 years ago when I was 18 and I got glandular fever. Um, Basically was under eating in my teenage years, not looking after myself physically. And my body became very, very run down. Got Epstein-Barr virus, which otherwise ends glandular fever. And whereas maybe most healthy 18 year olds would have just been able to kick it and move back into a place of health and vibrancy, Uh, my body already being very run down, just couldn't kick it. And the Epstein-Barr virus went into sort of post-viral fatigue, um, otherwise known as chronic fatigue, ME, whatever you want to call it. I guess at the moment, a lot of people are experiencing long COVID, which is effectively post-viral fatigue. It's the same manifestation of virus in the body. Your body can't really deal with it and then you move into a place of effectively your your vibrancy and your health being taken from you. And that was when I guess I was around 19 through to 23, I guess I suffered with chronic fatigue pretty badly. Um, Yeah, I managed to sort of stumble my way. (laughs) I don't really know how through my levels in university, but I was not well, like for a particular, like six months period of time, I basically couldn't walk to the end of the road. Um, And 
I saw a naturopath at the time, which really, really helped me. And she sort of taught me about what I needed to eat and supplements and that sort of thing. But I always had this sort of moving into sort of like early twenties, this niggling fatigue. And I developed this chronic pain in my body, which at times I had everywhere apart from, I think my head. Um, yeah. And I went to and see this. quite young to deal with all yeah, that It well. was young. Um, it was, it was. And uh, yeah, I developed this chronic pain in my knee. And I went to go and see this specialist pain physio in London. And he basically told me I need to start meditating. <clears throat> and I looked at him like he was a nutter and was like, I've got pain in my knee. Please, can you just give me a massage or some medication or something? And he's like, no, you need to start meditating. And you need to start understanding the relationship between the mind and the body. And specifically in relation to pain, the way that pain manifests in the body and how the mind can play a role in that. And so I started a meditation practice and I read a book called Full Catastrophe Living by a mindfulness teacher in America called John Kabat-Zinn. And he talks a lot about chronic pain. And I soon sort of through meditation practice and reading this book started to understand that the busyness of my mind, the fear in my mind, the anxiety in my mind was effectively putting my nervous system into such a state of stress but it was just manifesting in my body and pain and also fatigue. And as I started to, I guess, slow the mind down for meditation practice and distance myself from the worrisome, anxious thoughts that were all in relation to my health. There was a catch 22 where I was really scared about doing too much because I was worried about the fatigue. And I was really scared about doing too much because I was worried about inducing the pain response to my body. But in having that fear, it was accentuating and making the pain and fatigue only worse. So long story short is through meditation practice, I started to like calm my nervous system down, a lot of fatigue, started to leave it and all the pain went. And that opened me up to the power of the mind. Like this was coming to an end of my sort of formal education. I've done school, I was coming to an end of university. And suddenly I became aware of the importance of the mind and how the body and the mind are linked. And I guess I was sort of asking myself like, hang on, I'm now 22, 23 years old. Why was no one teaching me this stuff? And I then went to go and work in London in a creative agency. I worked in advertising for a couple of years. Loved the first six months, but then after six months, just became super disillusioned with what I was doing. Um, and I had carried on sort of reading and exploring meditation and started delving into Buddhism. And I just couldn't marry the two worlds. I was going off and doing silent meditation retreats for passengers and then coming back and writing brand strategy for Swiss private investment banks. And it was really, really confusing. But at that time, I must have been sort of like 23, 24, um, seemingly doing like really, really well in the world. You know, I had a really good job in London. Most of my friends perceived it to be like quite a cool job. I was a strategist and a creative agency. I wore like cool clothes and making a good salary but I was going off and sort of doing these silent retreats and coming back and just being like what am I doing with my life <laughs> and so it was a really messy process for about 18 months basically resigning from my job I resigned three times the first two times I went in the following day and withdrew my notice simply because I was scared I didn't have anything to step into I just knew I needed to get out and the third time I was like, right, I'm out. And the intention at the time when I left my job was to learn to meditate properly. That was my interest. That was what fascinated me. That was what I felt gave me a lens into understanding life um, and a framework through which to understand that in Buddhism. 
And so we went off on some retreats, spent time at Buddhist monastery in the south of France. And then I stumbled into a breathwork workshop. Um, I came back from a retreat in Wales, spent a week in silence. And one of those weird things whereby I didn't know what the workshop was, who the teacher was. I'd never been to the yoga studio in London. It was at a studio called Indabra in Marlebone. Um, but on Sunday morning, for whatever reason, I ended up on their website, was like, I'm going to go to this. And I remember sitting there at the start of the class and the teacher, a guy called Alan Dolan, who I trained with and I'm, who I'm still in touch with now, uh, amazing teacher. I remember him saying at the start of the class, I've traveled the world looking for most transformative healing experiences, illegal and legal. And this is the single most transformative experience that I found. And I was like, <laughs> what? I literally didn't know what it was. Um, and anyway, an hour later, it, my world had sort of turned upside down. I couldn't believe something as simple as the breath could have such a powerful and transformative effect on the state of my mind and body. I was crying, I was coughing. I guess it's worth saying that that sort of specific modality of breath work that Alan was teaching is what he refers to as conscious connected breathing, what I now refer to as breath work for emotional release. What you're effectively doing is using the breath to process and clear emotion in the body. So it's a specific way of using the breath. And I had a few friends who were sort of yoga teachers or sort of dabbling in holistic health. And I was like, you heard of this way of breathing, you breathe in and out through your mouth and process all this emotion in the body. And none of them heard about it. And having left my job in advertising and having slightly felt like I was like waiting for something to almost like hit me or at least give me a sign in relation to like what I was meant to be doing in the world, I sort of felt that this just got like given to me on a plate. And I remember walking out of the workshop and I remember texting a friend of mine saying, I think I found it. And that started a process of me starting to like explore the breath a little bit more and using it to heal my mind, my body. And Ultimately, I then decided to train with Alan, the same guy who took the workshop. I think I started the training about six months after that initial workshop. Did the training with him. And then about, I guess, 18 months ago, started teaching breath work. Um, and I guess 18 months later, we're now here. I guess the big thing that's happened for me in terms of like my teaching is probably COVID and lockdowns, which strangely did good things for me in relation to exposure and getting my practice out there and shifting everything online, even though I've never done it before, it worked quite well. And I guess people needed it. And it's been wonderful to see so many people benefiting from breath work at this time. And I guess, yeah, my work at the moment is all online focuses around using the breath to process, to clear the emotional body, but also giving people, autonomy and understanding how to self-regulate themselves using a vehicle that is available to them any to place anytime and for completely free amazing really really fascinating hearing your story absolutely love that and um quite amazing that that guy said to you to even go to meditation because i think actually that's quite unusual particularly even you know that that far back in time i think it's very unusual for doctors or that sort is, is, what did you say the guy that was he was he a doctor he, he was a special he calls himself a specialist pain physio um interesting so yeah, he's, I mean, he was, I think, I think he was a nurse and then he trained as a physio and now he specializes in pain. So wow. it was very much like, for me, it was almost the end, I guess, how it sort of works a lot of the time as you go conventional 
slightly less conventional alternative <laughs> alternative and it felt like he was towards the end of that I guess process of working one's way through practitioners often outside often moving away from the sort of conventional modalities of healing should we say and I think um, it's a wonderful thing to hear because I think you know so often it is such a separate world isn't it it's like the medical world and then you know what we do in the wellness world and mm. I do think nowadays you're seeing that come more and more together and especially with breathwork I think the beauty of breathwork is that you've got a lot of scientific evidence as well to say that all of this stuff is actually working it's not just woo woo and like you know feel better like there's a lot of things behind it that actually show that um yeah it's actually scientifically helping so um yeah it's a wonderful thing to see this kind of collide and I think that's what we're seeing in such a beautiful kind of um trend towards things like healing and particularly breath work i think it's quite like that people are describing it as like the new yoga <laughs> yeah i think so it's interesting taking like a moment to reflect on that myself the extent to which you know alternative modalities in breath work are becoming more into the mainstream i was reading or listening to someone other day an amazing uh, guy called charles eisenstein who is a big speaker on sort of like spirituality and sense making and he was talking a lot about how prior to COVID he felt like the alternative healing community or modalities were like really taking the forefront but he was making the point that he thinks we've gone back slightly since COVID has happened and the sort of reliance or the reliance back on sort of pharmaceutical model um my feeling is that it's a little bit of both like I think speaking from personal experience it's been amazing over the last year to see more and more people be open to a modality of healing such as breath work um but then i do slightly feel at times like i'm in a little bit of like an enclosed bubble whereby i sort of poke my head out and the reality is, is that people are still like you know to say to someone why don't you engage in a bit of breath work rather than relying on going to the chemist or whatever it might be um yeah. hopefully we'll move into a way where people are more open to these sort of practices and can use them in balance and use them to leverage each other rather than being one or the other I guess absolutely and I think like the um access and awareness has got that, that much higher of these things because of being able to get it online and maybe if you haven't practiced it before then you can have this access and just kind of try it out and I think people are having to go a little bit more internal or a little bit deeper within themselves because we can't obviously the lockdowns we're seeing them lift here and there but you'll still have it we still have had to spend quite a lot of times on our own not distracting ourselves with lots of busyness and going here there and everywhere and we had to sit with that and um yeah I think I agree with you it's always one of those things where you know even people from like back home where I live it's like it's just a tendency to outsource our wellness I've been going of it a million times myself as well it's just been like you need to help me to do whatever I need to heal myself rather than could it be me personally doing that self exploration and doing things like the healing work and I think the problem I guess is is how long to see the results and I think sometimes we think someone in a medical world can give you something more instantaneous but mm -hmm. you could argue and probably do argue with things like the breath work like I've done um some of your practices before and I've definitely had um experience where I've done one class and felt completely different from doing that one class it, it was instantaneous yeah I think that is one of the benefits of the breath is that it can work very very quickly and can create a shift in one's physiology and a shift in one's state of mind that one, like I think people move into a state of stillness quite often that they often have never felt before after one breathwork session. 
And the wonder of it, the amazing thing of it is that you have access to it the whole time and you can always create that shift. And I think the way that I try and teach, especially in corporate spaces, is exactly that. It's like, how can we make this as accessible as possible to people and create a shift in the physiology and a shift in their state of mind as quickly as possible? So that after 10, 20, 30 minutes, they turn around and go like, whoa, what was that? Um, because that's what effectively people are looking for. And so, right, is that quick instantaneous shift um, that they also don't need to work very hard towards. And the wonderful thing about the breath is that you know, anyone can do it. Um, doesn't matter what size you are, what sex you are, whatever else is going on for you. As long as you can breathe, you can engage in breath work. Um, and that's a wonderful thing. Yeah, really wonderful thing. And where are you on your stance now, I guess? Because I was so interested to find that actually you came from a very uh, a point of meditation, much mm. more than breath work. And I guess, uh, where are you on that, that scale of how much breath work to meditation that you suggest? Yeah, it's interesting. Doing? I'm doing less and less meditation these days. I'd say my journey personally was very much at first heavily influenced by meditation and Buddhism and very, very deep in spirituality. Um, which was wonderful and I think important for me at that time. I think what it did do, or at least what I was blind to at the time, and maybe it was me integrating the teachings in the wrong way, but it definitely didn't bring me into my body at all. And if anything, it took me slightly out of my body. I do think there is an underlying narrative in quite a lot of spiritual teachings around us being separate from our bodies and the divine mm. being separate from the body. And especially in Buddhism, um, that may be my wrong perception of it, but that was how I slightly took it at the time. And so I definitely didn't prioritize my physical health like I should be doing or like I should have been doing at that time. And um, I think my process now and what the breath has really helped me to do is bring me back more into my body and actually connect more to what I need from a physical point of view to be vibrant and healthy, um, which I definitely didn't have when I was going off and spending time in Buddhist monasteries and on week-long silent meditation retreats. There was sort of a... a a lack of a willingness to listen to the body sat there with my legs crossed, like grueling in pain, my hips <laughs> and a lack of mobility in them rather than actually sort of how I would now be like, okay, there's tension in my hips. I need to move and work this tension through. It was just like, no battle it through. Your mind is stronger than your body. Mm -hmm. um, and so, yeah, and my process now at the moment is I tend to use the breath to connect me to my body and listen to that. Um, I do think there's something really interesting just because I've experienced it personally, but I guess now listening to other teachers more widely is this sometimes disconnect between the sort of spiritual community and evolutionary biology and recognizing that as much as we are, we are depending on what your belief system is, spiritual beings, um, we are also housed within a physical body. And the way that I see it at the moment is like the more vibrant and healthy I can get my physical body, the greater can, the stronger the container is for me to then engage in my inverted commas spiritual or emotional practice is maybe a better way of putting it. Mm. Whereas if you just focus on your inverted commas spiritual emotional health without any attention on the physical body, it's like, well, so you're only going to be able to get so far because you simply haven't got the container to house that 
work you've been engaging in. And I think that's something that I've probably had to be quite humble in relation to is recognizing that actually I'm not as far down the road as I'd maybe like to be in terms of my inverted commas sort of vibrancy and health, because I sort of miss the step of not nourishing the physical body. And I'm almost having to slightly go back a step to really start to understand what makes me feel vibrant, alive, what foods nourish my body, what environment do I need to be in? How do I need to move? How much natural light am I getting? How much artificial light am I exposing myself to? And then going, okay, when I've got that right, when I've got the terrain right, now I'll engage in my breathwork practice. So now I start, I've started doing all my breathwork outside recently, which has been huge and amazing. And I felt so much better as a result. Um, but a few years ago, I would have been meditating in my room and doing my breath work in my room and it would have come, you know, 11 o'clock in the morning and I wouldn't have gone outside. Um, and for me, that just doesn't make sense anymore. It's like the two worlds have to coexist. And if anything, I was going to say, you're then also, we're talking about nature coming into it as well, aren't you? Cause you're like, actually, if I was in nature living, you know, back in the day I probably wouldn't have just sat inside with no natural light and um yeah I think that's a huge thing and I think you could also argue that you tap into such a mentality when you are doing things for you for your body as well aren't you so like when you're moving and you know perhaps pushing boundaries of what your body is capable of then you're having to tap into that kind of mental emotional state as well yeah um so yeah it's interesting hearing that kind of shift in where you um have come from but you know so beautiful and i really really like the way that you um describe the body as being vibrant i think it's <laughs> yeah. a really nice way to think about it because you can be very very healthy fitness wise and still not be vibrant and i guess mm -hmm. you could you like what you're saying is you could be very healthy spiritually or um you know have done all this breath work but not be vibrant and i think that that's vibrancy is obviously everything in life because if you're not living fully and happily and sustainably, then, you know, we're not living our fullest being really. So, you know, I really like the way that you, uh, you think about it like that. Yeah. I think we are kind of saying, I think it's particularly poignant at the moment in the sort of environment in which we find ourselves in with what's going on around us. It's like one could potentially argue that we're existing at the moment, like, versus what does it actually mean to sort of like flourish and be alive and live in a state of harmony with nature and in community and able to hug each other and kiss each other is very different from just being sort of like yeah I'm existing I'm here and I think that's it's the same with health whether you look at an emotional physical spiritual level it's like it's one thing just sort of like being here and being okay it's another thing being here and being like, okay, this is what it means to be sort of like fully in a fully realized state. Um, and I just think we're all so much more capable of what we think we are. Our potential is so huge in relation to that. And touching on sort of a point that you made earlier in relation to online is we suddenly have in this age, all this information available to us, more information than any other beings have had in the history of mankind um and you could probably argue that it can become quite overwhelming at times and i've definitely felt that um but at the same time we have all these amazing teachings available to us at our fingertips and what an amazing opportunity to take advantage of that Absolutely. And we can learn from so many. And it's not learning from, you know, the select teachers in your local area. It's learning from 
you know masters in the field that have done years and years and years and it's like they've learned from their experience so it you know it's, it makes total sense for us to to take that from them so yeah I think we're in an exciting time and I think that yeah I, I completely agree with you in terms of that connection to nature and living outside perhaps the societal norms of what we're supposed to be allowed to do being in you know at a desk or whatever but um it's a funny one isn't it because I think that it's very hard it's easy for me and you to say that we mm. can go get out in nature and all of these things but if you're someone who actually does have to sit at a desk that's where you're out with your you know your corporate work right now it's quite nice to think that they have this uh, we have this uh, ability to tap into it even if it's for a more short term sure yeah time. and I think you've got to start where you're at um and find what works for you but I think at least having the awareness is something like when I was working in advertising I had no idea the difference between being a natural light versus artificial light and the effect that's sitting in front of the computer screen so I didn't know that going outside for a walk at lunchtime would be beneficial for me or not um so even if it is little things like that then that's going to be better than doing nothing at all um and yeah you've got to start where you're at and take it from there I guess and the awareness is everything as well isn't it in terms of perhaps when you're a little bit more connected to how you're feeling then you go out and you go on that uh, walk uh, at lunchtime and you go okay how do I actually feel like that it wasn't just the walk it, you know I actually feel amazing from it I feel energized I feel ready to go back into my day and um so yeah I think it's also just tapping into being aware of how are you feeling how is your mental state how is your physical state and um like what you said not just kind of bobbling along <laughs> yeah and I guess that is my slight concern in relation to um, I'm not saying I'm right on this, but in relation to if you were to look at people doing corporate jobs all day, every day, to what extent can they actually feel? Mm-hmm. Because can you be in that environment all day, every day and live in a state that is embodied and, and be able to feel the environment in which we're in? Because the question I would pose, and I'm not saying I'm right or I'm wrong in relation to it, is, is it too painful to actually just be able to feel because that's what when I used to go off from retreats is the question of what I always used to get posed and it it definitely it definitely used to shake me a little bit where I'd sort of be like I'd be coming back into a corporate environment and teacher would say notice notice what happens now that you've sort of like turned on all the systems in your body you're out in nature you've been out of the city for a week notice what happens when you go back for a few days and it really hurts it really hurts and then everything sort of slightly settles down and that you sort of get back into it. Um, but what was always told to me was that was like the systems in your body slowly just turning off so they could cope with the effectively the level of disturbance one's putting their body through. Again, I don't want to like scare anyone and that's not my intention. I guess it's just posing the question, are you embodied or are you actually feeling the environment in which you're in? Absolutely. And I guess that's where you can also say if we're looking at one of our questions that we were going to go through actually is how do you get into it? Can anyone do it in terms of the breath work and what those perceived barriers? And I guess the barrier is the time because you're you're spending a lot of time, you know, working, doing what, you know, we're all busy in our lives. But perhaps are you finding it painful physically or mentally to, to even sit still, to have those 10 minutes where you either practice meditation or breath work? And what is it that's stopping you do that? Because I will put my hand up and say, I really, I really struggle. And I know when I 
I'm not sitting with something or I've got something in the back back of my mind because I make myself busy. And mm. I'll be like, oh, I, I can't sit, you know, I can't meditate today or I can't breath work today because I've got this, this and this to do. And then that's when you start to question why. Yeah, completely. Exactly. Um, yeah, <laughs> I'm exactly the same. I'm better, much better at now than I used to be, but I'm definitely, I would used to drink a lot when that sort of happened to me. And now I think my, probably my coping mechanism is spending too much time on my phone and hiding behind in the skies that I need to do work. Um, or one that is a really, really subtle one, which I've definitely noticed in myself is listening to podcasts or books on topics that are like really, really highbrow and would be perceived as being like in the sort of self-help, self-development world. And so I see, I sort of give myself the illusion that I'm doing something for my benefit and to grow and to flourish. But the reality is I'm just using that as a slightly as a coping mechanism to not just serve myself. Um, absolutely and it's funny you're saying that because I'm 100% doing that right now <laughs> I'm literally just like what podcast and as you know I'm pregnant yeah. so I'm just like all the podcasts on her, you know birthing and pregnancy and all the rest of it but yeah I'm I actually listening to myself and going how do I feel as a pregnant woman this morning perhaps not yeah it's, it's really there. difficult I, like I did it literally this morning I was uh, lying in the park and I'd been lying there for like half an hour without doing anything and I was like oh I should just listen to a podcast and I ended up going on YouTube and started watching a video or recording on like, I think it was like, what is the soul? Um, and then got 10 minutes into it and I was like, this isn't helping me in any way. I'm literally just using it because I felt slightly uncomfortable after half an hour. And I did turn it off and just kind of went for a walk. But um, yeah, it's really difficult. And we like, it's when we constantly have this information available to us as well. Um, I think it's a quite a funny one in the self-help world. Like I'm sure it's definitely... I do it the whole time. So um, yeah, I'm sure I'll be aware as well. It's a societal norm, even to pick up yeah. your phone. Like how many times like do we go, even the simplest thing, like queuing for a coffee or something, how often mm. do you just quickly whip out your phone and you think you're being productive because you're um, doing Instagram or whatever you think that you need to do, getting back to messages. But why, what is it that doesn't make us just be bored or like, you know, wait and have times for stillness, time for blankness. And I think you really notice, like I notice when I go on walks or, you know, on my bike rides with nothing coming, you know, inf information into my head, it really clarifies your mind, doesn't it? Mm. And um yeah, you have to ask again, why, why do we have need for all of this? I mean, we use charge though. Exactly. Cool. Um, okay, so this is amazing. I was like, we're just, uh, I'm getting through questions without even asking them. So this is perfect. <laughs> um, so I was very interested, actually, we're hearing a lot. It's, again, one of those kind of buzzwords in the industry. Can you talk to us a little bit about nasal breathing and why we should be doing it if we should be doing it? Yeah, Um Nasal breathing has sort of been widely, well, I guess it's becoming increasingly well-known in relation to the health benefits of it because of people like Patrick McKeown, um, who wrote a book called The Oxford Advantage. Um, he's a Buteco teacher and um, James Nestor, who wrote an amazing book called Breathe or Breath? Breathe, I think. Um, moments, moment, day to day, we want to be breathing in and out through the nose the whole time. When you breathe in and out through your mouth, as much as there can be a time and a place for that, and I'll come on to that, you do put your body under a slight stress response. Um, and you do tend to breathe short. You do tend to breathe in your upper chest when you breathe in and out through your mouth. If 
you're breathing in and out through your mouth the whole time, putting your body under a slight stress response, you're going to feel a little bit rubbish moment to moment, day to day, simply because of the level of stress you're putting your body under. What you will also do if you're breathing in and out through your mouth the whole time, moment to moment, day to day, is you'll blow off quite a lot of carbon dioxide. Now, the more carbon dioxide you blow off moment to moment, day to day, the more you increase your sensitivity to it, which basically means that what governs your respiratory rate isn't there being a lack of oxygen in your blood, it's your brain perceiving that there is too much carbon dioxide in your blood. So I'll just say that again, what governs your respiratory rate, what governs you to begin the respiratory process isn't your brain perceiving that there's a lack of oxygen. It's your brain perceiving that there's too much carbon dioxide in your system. Right. So when you breathe in and out through your mouth, moment to moment, day to day, and you blow off a lot of carbon dioxide, you increase your sensitivity to the buildup of carbon dioxide, which then means that your respiratory rate quickens as well. So suddenly you're not just breathing in and out through your mouth, but you're actually breathing. I'm exaggerating slightly for effect, but you're breathing in and out from your mouth even quicker. Now, the rhythm rate and depth of your breath is also always sending a signal to your brain. So if you're breathing in and out through the mouth, not only are you now putting your body into a stress response, but you're breathing the same way you would effectively breathe if a line were to walk into your room now. So your brain is then going into a heightened stress response as well. And suddenly you can move into a state of hypervigilance in relation to the environment in which you're in. So what we want to be doing is breathing in and out through the nose the whole time. Breathing in and out through the nose, first of all, you activate your diaphragm, which is the dome sheet muscle in between your ribcage and your abdomen. It's connected to the parasympathetic branch of your nervous system, which will help to downregulate your nervous system. Breathing in and out through the nose also helps to filter the air, moisten the air, which means that when the air comes into the lung, you have better efficiency in relation to absorbing oxygen into the blood. And breathing in and out through the nose, the restriction in your nose, slows the breath down, which again then activates the parasympathetic branch of your nervous system. So moment to moment, day to day, we breathe in and out through the nose and you breathe low, slow and deep. If you're seated, you want to be breathing in short, effectively your lower rib cage. There's a slight, the teaching that gets given the most in breath work, which is just, it's not wrong, but it's not completely right, is that if you People tell you to breathe into your belly when you're seated, which is basically impossible to do unless you push your belly out because you've engaged your core. You want, if you're seated, you want to be breathing into your lower ribs. That's the best indication that your diaphragm is working efficiently and possibly. Your belly will come out slightly, but when you see people, you sit the whole time, now that I've said it, is that people will say, you breathe in and out through your nose and you breathe into your belly. That's correct if you're lying down and your core is disengaged, but it's all but impossible to breathe only into your belly when you're seated. Unless when you breathe in, you unconsciously push your belly out, which is what people do. So you wanna breathe into the lower ribs in and out through the nose. Nice and low, nice and slow, nice and deep. It's really, really simple. The honest truth is I don't tend to teach functional breathing that often just because I think it's so simple. In and out through the nose, breathe low, slow and deep into your lower ribs. If you're lying down, you can breathe into your belly because your core is disengaged. What we don't want is breathing in and out through the mouth into the upper chest as that's what's gonna put your body into a stress response. 
and just make you feel pretty rubbish. Interesting. And I think that's very interesting what you said about seated, um, because actually, I guess that's something that I've not necessarily really looked into very much either, is that they, there was actually quite a phase of belly breathing for a while, wasn't there, yeah. as well? Well, it's to be fair to it, you know, belly breathing is much more in terms of a term and in terms of a language, it, you know, less, oh my God, I'm GCSE English, what it is when two bees go together. Um, but it's just got more of like a catchy name. Whereas if you were to say lower rib breathing, it's just, it's not got quite the same effect. And to be fair, you are still going to get a little movement in your belly if you're seated. And definitely if you're lying down, you should be able to breathe into your belly when your core is disengaged. So there is something in that, but don't, yeah. What I'm just saying is when you're seated, which is when a lot of people do practice breath work, especially if they're using their breath out and about moment to moment, it's lower ribs. So it's almost like teapot with your hands hmm. and then breathe into your hands. Nice. And I, I think um, I was talking to someone about the other day, you can kind of see that with animals as well, can't you? So where they, I, I guess it's that connection of it going all the way through. So when you're breathing, kind of going into lungs, ribs, expansion, and then, like you said, there will be some uh, belly movement as well. Because yeah. you want a full expansion as well. You want expansion sideways and back in your back as lower back as well. It's not just in your belly. You want to be able to feel when you breathe in your whole rib cage, the whole way around expand, especially the lower ribs. Very interesting. Yeah. And that's really hard to do actually, I think, unless you really concentrate on it. And um, I guess like you, like you said, you don't necessarily coach the functional breathing because you said that that's, and from what, how you've explained it is, it is so simple, but obviously it's such a learned condition and mm. a result of the environments that we place ourselves in why we don't do that. Um, how do you think we can start to train ourselves out of that? And is, is it something that we can reverse? Is it something, say you've got someone who's, my mom, who's like 50, whatever, um, she's been breathing all of her life in and out through the mouth. Is there something that she can do to tap into this more functional way of breathing on a more long-term basis or you know is the damage kind of done i don't think the damage is done um it's practice it's, it's practice it's practice my lower like my diaphragm now in terms of the ability for it to expand and my lower ribs now are very good but that's because i've practiced and because i'll spend probably half an hour to an hour a day doing breath work and doing those sort of exercises the body has an amazing, like you probably know this better than I do. The body has an amazing ability to adapt, to heal, to open, for tension, to alleviate. And especially with the breath, it's such an easily, it's such an easy tool to use and it's available to us the whole time. And it's quite easy to integrate into our everyday and make those necessary shifts. The first step of your breathing in and out through the mouth, just stop. <laughs> I know that sounds probably easier than it is but it, it is quite literally like first of all notice it that's the first step become aware of the fact you're breathing in and out of your mouth become aware of the fact that you're breathing in your upper chest then try and stop breathing in and out through the mouth breathe in and out through the nose it may be a little bit uncomfortable at first because you've got this increased sensitivity to build up a carbon dioxide in your blood as a result of breathing in and out through the mouth so it may take a little bit of time just keep on trying, it will come. And then it's literally just a matter of 10 minutes a day, 20 minutes a day, lie down, 
and put a book on your belly and breathe into your belly and feel the book come up. Or if you're seated, you can do a teapot hand on lower ribs and breathe into lower ribs. You'd be amazed how quickly it does move. It does come quite quickly. And um, yeah, you just then take it from there. The, the barrier to getting people to do it is that they don't think it makes that much of a difference. They don't think it will benefit their health that much. What I will say is when you breathe low, slow, and deep, when you breathe into your lower ribs, when you breathe into your belly, you're massaging all the organs in your system. All the organs in your belly are getting a massage. Lymphatics, like a lot of people talk about lymphatic drainage at the moment, that's a big thing. Your lymphatic system is effectively your body's drainage system. You're helping drain all the toxins from your system when you breathe low, slow, and deep into your belly. Breathing in your upper chest, you're getting none of those benefits. And you can get quite a lot of buildup of sort of stagnancy in the digestive system as a result. So there's benefits on an emotional level, there's benefits on a physical level, there's benefits on a spiritual level. That is the wonderful thing about the breath. Okay, guys, just for a moment, we're going to take a little break there. Today, I'd like to talk to you about the Move Your Soul membership. How we move and how we think influences every single aspect of our lives, from how we interact with ourselves and others to how our mind and body feels at home and at work. Have you found that you've fallen out of love with working out and like you're always getting injured? Maybe you've lost that connection to your mind and body or that you can't really find your flow in your training and you need a little bit more direction to keep you consistent. Then the Move Your Soul online membership is just for you. It's a library of on-demand videos from myself and other experts in the field designed to help you establish a more conscious way to move, breathe and flow with life. The Move Your Soul membership has a large selection of on-demand videos with everything from breathwork, meditation, yoga, strength, animal flow, and mobility. You can use the code Move Your Soul Podcast at the checkout, all in capitals, to get your first month free today. Simply go to moveyoursoul.co. Thanks for listening. Now back to the learning. And it is simply a matter on a functional level anyway, of just sticking with a little bit of discipline, a little bit of practice, and it will come. And then it just becomes an innate habit, and you'll notice if your breath ever shifts and comes into your chest, you just bring it back down. Yeah, it's interesting, because I guess um, it's it's hard to think if you, even if you start 10, 20 minutes a day, trying to just focus, like, and I think the book is a really nice idea, um, it's hard to think that that will make a difference. Even for me personally, for I'm doing uh, some breath work in relation to pregnancy, uh, floor mm. health and all the rest of it in the moment. And I think that um, I end up doing 15 minutes or so of that. And it is quite hard to think that that will have an, a massive effect on the rest of my breath for the day long or long-term. But you're right in the respect that you're obviously influencing so many systems. So even if you've only done 10 to 15 minutes of that breathing, you then influence those systems for a more longer-term effect. And like what you said, it's a habit-building thing. So as soon as you do that, then you become much more aware throughout your day-to-day, whatever you're doing. Yeah, exactly. And I'm sure, you know, I would throw it back at you this way as like doing what you do in terms of movement and the amount you move. If if I were just now say don't move, you would notice the effect it would have on your body and the buildup of sort of stagnancy and that just quite icky feeling in your body. It's the same with the breath. When you start breathing properly, you'll then notice what happens when you don't engage in the practice and what happens when you don't breathe in the right way. I love that. Yeah, it's a really good way of looking at it. Um, the only other thing I would have to ask about that is, um, for instance, I've had someone speak to me and I, um, we talk about nasal breathing in yoga. Obviously, we breathe in and out through the nose in yoga. 
for the most part. And someone said to me before, she really struggles to breathe in and out through the nose. Like what you said, you could find that as a resistance. But, she, you know, if someone's feeling particularly congested or nasal, is that something that you think is just a result of constantly breathing that way before? Or, you know, is that something that you find that you would work through? The phrase that gets thrown around a lot in relation to people who struggle to breathe in and out through the nose is use it or lose it. Um, mm. If you're not using it, it will get lost and it will just then for be a matter of time. It will come again, but you've got to use it, for it to sort of turn the system and the body back on. Um, and yeah, it's it, it will come. It, it will come. Start with less time then in that case, I guess just start exactly. slow. Short. Exactly. Um, the... the the only thing in relation to nasal breathing that's also worth just putting in there is a lot of people breathe in and out through the mouth when they sleep, mm-hmm. um, which is just as detrimental, if not more detrimental, because that's the time of a 24-hour cycle when your body's going into deep rest and re- rest and repair um, phase. And if you're breathing in and out through your mouth, you're, you're just not allowing your body to go into that deep state of um, restorative sleep. And the best way of doing that, because you obviously can't be consciously aware of the fact if you're breathing in and out through your nose when you sleep is, and it sounds slightly extreme, but there are ways you can do it, which isn't so extreme as you can tape your mouth. Um, I think the best tape out there is called Myo tape. Um, The best way of knowing if you are mouth breathing when you sleep is when you wake up, your mouth is dry and you just feel like quite foggy and brain sort of fog. There's a likelihood you're breathing in and out through your mouth. Um, or you have quite interrupted sleep. Mm. I don't do it, or I never did mouth breathe when I slept, so I can't say from personal experience the difference between mouth breathing when I sleep and now nasal breathing, but I know people who have, and the shift they say they've felt when they've gone to nasal breathing when they sleep is indescribable in terms of the benefit they felt. So, yeah, if you're someone listening and you do think you might be mouth breathing, try taping your mouth when you sleep you'll feel the benefit of it mm. yeah i heard that as well is it patrick McEwen that's yeah he's been that on one. One. yeah i think um to make that sound less scary and to be honest i've been meaning to try it for a while and i haven't tried it yet i think to make that sound less scary they he, he was suggesting as well like if you try a bit in the day and just see what that feels like and when he's saying tape his mouth it doesn't it doesn't mean tape your whole entire mouth so you literally can't feel like it's literally just it, it's a, a bit of tape on your mouth isn't it like yeah and I, and I think now we've actually specifically made tape specifically for that because I think when Patrick started teaching and asking people to tape their mouth that was literally like duct tape or nothing whereas now <laughs> sort of 10-15 years later they've actually made specific things for sleep which don't even it doesn't even go over your lip it just goes around the mouth very gently um I said I think it's called myotape um but I'm not 100 um but yeah exactly if nothing else things a little strip um of your lips nice yeah cool um so I guess from the opposite of that nasal breath and i know the importance of nasal breath then what is the difference in this stuff that we do with your conscious connected breathing work that you do in your classes where you're doing breath work that is much more stimulating yeah so you're using the breath for a different purpose i think you'll often hear people in the breath work world say you have to breathe in and out through the nose the whole time or you swing full the other way to wim hof and it's like just breathe and the reality is, is that with the breath, there, are, there is a functional way to breathe moment to moment, day to day, which is in and out through the nose, into your lower, into your belly. And then there are different ways to breathe 
depending on the shift you want to create in your physiology, depending on the intentionality of the breathwork session. So when we're engaging in sort of breathwork for emotional release, which is sort of, I guess, what I tend to teach, we're using the breath to process to clear the emotional body. So what we're actually trying to do is create a stimulating effect in the body. So to activate the nervous system and displace and dissipate any emotional charge that is held within the nervous system as a result of experiences that one has been through in the past. So the reason we engage in that stimulating breath is effectively to process to clear. You can't just breathe in and out through the nose and hope that your nervous system is going to open up, clear, process and let go. It's not going to happen. So it's just a very different way of using the breath. There isn't a right or wrong. You definitely wouldn't want to be breathing how you breathe into breath work for emotional release sessions all day, every day, but a little bit every day to help to clear the nervous system, to help to shift your inner being, to help to connect you to yourself. Amazing. Um, yeah. And again, it's the modality of breath work that I tend to teach the most just because from personal experience and also teaching people, it's the modality of breath work that people tend to benefit the most from. I was actually giving me my next question. I was like, oh, how come you teach that? <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. And then I guess for my point of view, from the more kind of fitness angle, um, how can it influence athletic performance? I guess um, I've listened to quite a few athletes that have tapped into breath work and they're like, this is like this superpower that you feel like you've got. Um, or, you know, you get these ultra marathon runners that are just nasal breathing and then they're like miles ahead of everybody else. And at the end, everyone's like dying and they're like, fine. Like, is there a way that we can use it? Athletes and like, you know, everyday athletes, how could we possibly use breath? Or I guess you could come from that in two parts, either from your conscious connecting breathing or from the nasal, like how does it influence our body in, I guess, a more physical way? Yeah, so Patrick McKeown is the dude on this. He's amazing on anything for breath work for athletic performance. I've trained with him, and the, the main thing in relation to breath work and athletic performance is, again, nasal breathing. Um, the reason for it is it's, ba- it's, the bo- it's, it's a scientist called Christian Bohr who basically found something called the Bohr effect, which is this understanding that carbon dioxide isn't this toxic gas that our body needs to get rid of but actually plays a really really vital role in our body and when we shift that perspective of carbon dioxide what we start to understand is that the more carbon dioxide that our body can tolerate the higher the buildup of carbon dioxide that our body can tolerate the greater the efficiency at which oxygen then gets delivered to the cells okay so if you're breathing in and out through the mouth you run and you play sport whatever it is you're blowing off a lot of carbon dioxide the more carbon dioxide you blow off the less oxygen that can be delivered to the cells including the cells in your muscles which need it when you're engaging in athletic performance so we're effectively trying to do on a simple level when we're engaging in anything athletic from a breathwork point of view is train you to breathe in and out through the nose so that you can increase your ability increase your ability to the uh, increase of carbon dioxide in your system so that you can then deliver more oxygen to your cells. So the more carbon dioxide your body can withstand, the more oxygen that gets delivered to your muscles. The best way of doing this is breathing in and out through the nose. Now, what will happen is that people listening to this will go, okay, cool, I'm going to go out tomorrow and I'll go for a run and breathe in and out through my nose. And after about 20 seconds, they'll feel that they're suffocating because they can't get enough air in. What that is, is your brain perceiving that there is a buildup of too much carbon dioxide in your blood. 
So slowly over time, as you train breathing in and out through the nose, it takes about two months for your body to adapt. Your brain will slowly desensitize to the buildup of carbon dioxide in your blood. You'll be able to handle more carbon dioxide in your body, which then means more oxygen will get delivered to the cells. So the key when training is really breathing in and out through the nose. And that would be done. You'd slowly work your way. Slowly, through. slowly. So, so it would be like, like don't carry. Don't. Yeah. You don't need to feel like you're dying, <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it's, it's a patience game because the, the reason why people don't tend to integrate as quickly is because if I say to someone who's been running 10 K every day for the last three years, now start nasal breathing and also slow your runs down and run a little bit less. People don't tend to want to do that or we don't have the patience to do that. But the reality is that if you want to make that improvement, you're going to have to have some level of patience um, or at least do five minutes of your run like that and then switch to breathing in and out through the mouth. Um, But you do want to slowly move towards nasal breathing if you want to improve your athletic performance. Um, But this is really, really new stuff. You know, most elite athletes aren't doing this. You think about, the Euros football is going on at the moment. I don't know, but I'm almost sure that none of them will be doing any form of breath work for athletic performance. Despite the fact that most of the games are being played in really, really high temperatures. And despite the fact that having that like minimal game could result in them winning a game, it would make complete sense, but it will come. It will come in the next five to 10 years. This will be being done by all professional athletes. I'm sure of it. Um, we're just not there yet and then the other thing that's which is worth saying in relation to athletic performance is then using the breath to bring the body back into a restful state after one engages in um, any form of exercise so again super super simple super super easy deep belly breathing i'd lie down afterwards or um, after engaging in whatever exercise you're doing or even at the end of the day after engaging in the exercise and I'd literally just do a session where I was trying to bring my body into a deeper state of relaxation as I possibly could. And the aim of this is to simply speed up recovery so that by the time you then go back into whatever it might be, whatever your activity is, your body's had as optimal a recovery as it possibly can, rather than staying in that slightly heightened stress response, um, especially if you're engaging, engaging in things that are anaerobic as well. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think that's actually a really good point about slowing down. I've been trying to uh, do it myself a little bit as well, even with um, strength training, for instance. And I guess even as a trainer, we're taught inhale through the nose. And as you exert, you exhale through the mouth. That's just what we've known. And that's obviously been going for so many years and what we've been teaching and what I've been naturally doing that actually you really do like what you said, even if it's not just running, you have to slow down your movements. And there's a whole idea that if you can't control your breath whilst you're moving, then you don't really own that movement. So you have to um, question the efficiency of you doing that movement if you're not breathing with it. Completely. And also it's worth bearing in mind that if you're breathing in through the nose and out through the mouth, when you're engaging in any form of exercise, you're going to be blowing off a lot of carbon dioxide, which then means you're not going to be delivering as much oxygen to your cells, which then means if you want to be able to lift a weight or do whatever you want to do, doesn't really make sense. Um, it's interesting looking at when breath work in yoga, um, specifically, because if you look back at the sort of way that breath work was taught a long, long time ago, and specifically pranayama 
if you look into the text, and I haven't looked at direct text, but I've looked at people who have read stuff of people who have, and they say what they're trying to teach is for you to reduce your breath. There's this slight illusion that what they're trying to do is to get you to breathe really, really deeply. They're not. They're trying to get you to reduce your breath to almost being fluidly as well. Right? And light and light um, and quite light. So to not blow off loads of carbon dioxide. You can still yeah, like, breathe deeply into your lower ribs or into your belly, but still breathe lightly at the same time, if that makes sense. If you breathe, if I say breathe lightly into your lower ribs, you'll still feel the expansion of your lower ribs. So be going deep into your body, but you won't be taking a breath that is necessarily then going to mean that you blow off loads of carbon dioxide afterwards as well. Yeah. Yeah, and it's a really good point. And I think that's where we have westernized yoga a little bit with the Ujjayi breathing and the kind of you hear when you teach in studios or you go to studios, there's someone always doing it really extremely. And, you know, and I think that that's, again, just what we've learned and thought that that was the thing to do. But perhaps if you did go back to those ancient texts and how it was done from, you know, tradition, then we wouldn't be hearing that. Yeah, I'd just say be aware of like why you're doing it. Um, the Ujjayi breath has loads of benefits yeah. um, and i use it a lot not in a yoga practice but just on its own i call it i took the name of a teacher called max john called it ocean breathing just because it's a little bit more uh nice. accessible than dry breath um and yeah i mean it, it's amazing in terms of what it can do for toning your um vagus nerve and increasing your vagal tone so there's huge benefits to that it's just being aware of like, okay, I'm, I'm like, I'm someone who works on my vagal tone a lot because I've had digestive issues. I still have a few things going on digestive wise. So like, I need to work on my vagal tone to help me do that. But I know why I'm using that breath um, rather than just going into yoga class and going, oh yes, what everyone's doing, I'm just going to do it. Yeah. Um, it's like, okay, why? But why? Yeah. Um, and hopefully the teacher will be able to give an answer to that. I'm, I'm sure a lot of them would, maybe some of them wouldn't. Um, but yeah, that's sort of their role. And I guess that is in whatever you're doing, it's just being aware of why you're doing it and then being intentional with it. And I think that's the key thing with the breath is there are so many different ways you can breathe. There are so many different ways you can use the breath. Like if you were to go into a gym, one person would do one set of exercises and another would do another set of exercises, depending on the biomechanics of their body, depending on what their goals were. It's the same in the breath. You've got someone who's got really, really bad trauma and someone who's trying to run an under three hour marathon. You're going to give them different breathing techniques. Yeah. Um, so there's no right or wrong. It's just learning what you need, basically. Yeah, I love that. Um, and quite nice that you feel like you can specify, really, because I think it's quite, I think it would be quite common to just think, oh, it's just breathing overall yeah. what you're saying like there's so many things and even within uh what you teach you have breathing for when you wake up in the morning you have breathing for healing and all of these different kind of things that you can use so you're specifically like if i you know from a training point of view your specific adaption to impose demands so you're imposing the demands that you need sure. to be able to, to to do what you need to do amazing um so i guess i mean i wonder if you if it is very easy to answer this question then so is there any simple breathing exercise say, say for someone who's working at an office they're feeling stressed out they don't necessarily they haven't really necessarily tapped into breathing as a technique at all yet is there a simple breathing exercise we can start with i guess you could say what we've spoken about before the nasal breathing would be num number one yeah nasal breathing breathing into lower ribs is great 
Um, the two that I tend to teach the most in terms of giving people ones to integrate into every day is firstly, actually the Jai breath, ocean breathing, um, which is effectively for people who haven't done it before. It's a slight restriction in the back of your throat, which adds some resistance to the exhale. So it basically sounds like an ocean wave. So it sounds a little bit like, so you've basically got that slight restriction in the back of your throat, which adds some resistance to the exhale. What that does is it increases the pressure in your lungs, which activates your vagus nerve. Your vagus nerve is the 10th cranial nerve that runs from the brainstem in the back of your neck down through your thorax and into your abdomen. And when you activate it, you basically activate a relaxation response in your body. So ocean breathing is amazing because two minutes of it and you can very, very quickly shift the state of your body and mind. And it is quite literally just creating that restriction in the back of your throat. Inhale is normal. And just do it for a couple of minutes over and over again. Um, the other one that's great that people tend to be a little bit more reverse too, but it's so good in terms of just creating a quick shift is humming. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> it's it. People don't tend to want to hum because of the connotations of yogis and caves and monks and whatever else. And also just because I guess humming on a tube or in public can be a little bit embarrassing, but if you have got your own space and, uh, you feel like you want to give it a go. It, it's amazing because yeah. it's super, super simple. It's quite literally, it's just a hum. You breathe in from those. Mm. Like it's the bee's breath, isn't it? And uh, yeah, again, similarly to sort of ocean breathing, that the vibration gets carried up for your vagus nerve, deactivates your limbic system, which is the seat of your autonomic nervous system in your brain and moves you into parasympathetic state. So your relaxation response. And that again, a couple of minutes. It's great. So vote would be those two. Yeah, I was surprised. I remember them teaching us that on our yoga teacher training. And um, I think we've been out like years or something as well. And I remember just being like, what on earth are we doing? <laughs> and then I absolutely loved it. I was like, yeah. this is so cool. And actually really was powerful as well as hearing everyone doing it at the mm. same time. So everyone was just doing like this like buzzing, <laughs> this bee sound. Yeah. And it was, yeah, there was a vibration that came with it and it became my favorite one. I remember being like, that one's really cool. So I think, yeah, don't knock it till you tried it and maybe just keep it, you know, at home if you're feeling a little bit conscious about it. Completely. And I think looping back to the point you made earlier, you know, when yogis were first doing this, they did it because they were deeply embodied and they could feel what was going on in the body, but they didn't yet have any science to be able to show exactly what was happening. Now we actually know the effect that it's happening on your physiology and specifically the effect it's having on your brain. And it's profound. Um, so when I say things like it's completely dialing down your brain, I'm not just saying that because I can feel it and I'm guessing it's because they've done MRI scans of people doing this sort of breath work and they can see the effect it's having. There you go. Hum, people. <laughs> Get off your arms. Um, amazing. So then just to finish up, actually, I'm really, really excited. We've got you on the Move Your Soul platform this month. Um, what is the class that you're teaching on, on the platform? Yeah, so it's a breath work for emotional release session. So we use the breath to process to clear the emotional body. Um, it is, as I said earlier, it's the modality breath work, but I tend to teach the most. It tends to be the most popular. Um, give it a go. It's, uh, yeah, it's, 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 a, I speak from personal, it's a wonderful practice to just shift your physiology, to shift your state of mind, but also to start to move you into a state whereby you feel a little bit more clear and coherent internally too. 
yeah I absolutely agree and from the work that I've done with you I think that it is quite impressive how quickly you can shift like you wake up you feel groggy you feel like you're in a bit of a you know bummed out move for whatever reason and then just taking that time to sit and breathe um definitely wholeheartedly you're going to feel different things from different types of breath work or on different days but it can have such an impact and especially doing it something like in the morning I feel like it's very powerful completely yeah completely yay amazing so we have a little quick fire round to finish off with um so don't worry about overthinking them too much can be something simple um so your first one who's your favorite mentor or your coach um can i say someone who i haven't actually met yes um so i'd probably say uh it's a guy called aubrey marcus um he he's got an amazing podcast called you'll be marcus podcast um but he also oh i think we lost you you got me now uh you're back repeat what you said sorry (laughs) um he yes aubrey marcus he has a podcast but he also runs something called fit for service which is i guess um effectively a platform which coaches people to go out and be fit to serve um but he, he just talks, he's got quite a big presence and he talks a lot about life and self-development. But I think what really attracts me to him, which loops back to what I was saying earlier, is he, for me, embodies someone who completely understands the importance of physical health and looking after one's own body and has got an amazing understanding of nutrition and all these different things in nature and grounding and sunlight and all that sort of stuff. But then if you talk to him about emotional spiritual stuff he's just got an amazing understanding of that too and i I do think that's quite rare um Mm. to find people like that you tend to find either one or the other yeah um and i'm really attracted towards people like him who embody both cool very cool okay next one what's the most influential book that you've ever read uh many lives many masters oh cool i've not even heard of that one that's a nice new one blow your mind yeah you've got to be slightly um open to the concepts in it um but it's it is slightly life-shaking it, i read it in 24 hours it just got, and I, i'm not a reader um i'll also say like i really don't read books i tend to listen to podcasts and talks yeah. but i read that and yeah i don't yeah it's it's insane <laughs> and is that something that's more of a self-help book or is it something that's so it's a real life it's a story um about us i don't want to ruin it but it's a story about a psychotherapist who was traditionally trained um very very skeptical of any sort of sort of spiritual concepts anything transpersonal in the world of psychotherapy he starts giving um he starts giving hyp- hypnosis hypnotism i kind of said what well, is hypnotherapy um to a client of his and uh, asks her to go back to a time when she first experienced difficulty um, or trauma and the story basically goes that she rather than going back to her childhood she goes back through past lives and recounts basically things that have happened to her in past lives or even past lives are not you could be open to it i guess um and then he's she i don't want to give too much away but she basically starts channeling spirit and spirit knows all these things about the psychotherapist that's giving the hypnosis and uh it's pretty profound because what it basically alludes to is that there are so many things going on around us 
that our rational human mind just cannot comprehend and so many things that are appearing in our lives, people, places, things, that potentially if what is in this book has at least got an ounce of truth in it, may have already been planned before we came into this human life and may be unfolding exactly how it's meant to be unfolding for you right now if you are willing to let go and trust in the process. Wow, I love it already. I'm very Check much sold on that. That sounds very interesting <laughs> and exciting. Awesome. Uh, next one, what is a habit or a ritual that you do daily that you swear by? Um, I'm going to combine two into one, which is uh, walking on the grass, um, ideally in the sun. Nice. Um, I'd say the two Definitely. biggest, probably the biggest things in terms of improving the state of my health and just what I know makes me feel good these days is being barefoot on the ground and being in natural light, um, yeah. ideally sunlight, but natural light is great as well. Um, and something that's been huge for me, which is learning just how that I used to wear, I wore contact lenses for 13 years straight, maybe 14 years straight. And, um, recently learned that it completely blocks the spectrum of light coming into your eyes and I'm not amazing in relation to speaking about the benefits of natural light exactly what's going on when natural light goes through your eyes but it basically has a really really profound effect on the state of all the systems in your body and uh yeah now I I mean I don't wear contacts anymore because I'm trying to heal my short-sightedness which is another story um but yeah, when I'm outside, I definitely make sure I never wear glasses, never wear contacts, I'll never wear sunglasses just to allow the natural light and the sunlight to go through my eyes. Um, That's big. A lot of people wear contact lenses. A lot, yeah. And most health practitioners aren't aware of... Um, you wouldn't think of them. And even really, really, really good ones because I've worked with a, quite a few over the years. Um, they just don't touch on it. They don't ask. Um, I don't yeah. think you think about it. I, I don't know like for, that's literally like for me I'm like whoa that's that's yeah. big actually because as soon as you said it blocks it I was just like oh well we'd make sense now you said it but, yeah. but I wouldn't have thought about it and yeah it's you know huge I'm not, the same under the yeah. daylight it's like the circadian rhythm like, and I, I could you know general gist is not something that I deeply know about but uh, you've got to say that that's not natural yeah completely and annoyingly i can't speak to like the physiology of exactly what happens when sunlight goes through your eyes but i can say like one thing is that when sunlight goes when your eyes see sunlight or natural light for that matter um without any contacts it turns on 500 on off switches in your dna um which again i don't even know exactly what that means but the point is is it's, it's having a profound effect on the physiology of your body and people aren't even talking about it so yeah soon i'm sure they will soon it's all coming out (laughs) um wow crazy um okay good and also i'm a huge advocate of the barefoot on uh, getting your feet into the grass so definitely that as well just to have that kind of going back to nature i think that's what everything comes back to right um favorite way to move your soul um i would say how I how I perceive that question is when do I feel most in alignment, um, and I would say teaching breath work. Nice. That's when I feel I almost feels like it's not me. It's just like I've let go into a higher force almost. 
How amazing is that? Um, so actually that leads us nicely onto the last one. Where can people find out more about you, find out more about your work? Where can they breathe with you? Um, best place is probably Instagram, breathe with James, um, or you can just go straight to website, breathewithjames.com. That is, um, I have got an online studio, which is on my site, which has got loads of pre-recorded content and a live session once a week on a Sunday. Um, can give it a go it's a seven day free trial if you fancy or you can just come join i do lives on my instagram um on tuesday and thursday so if you want to give that a go first before signing up to have anything um yeah tuesday and thursday at six um so come find me there amazing yeah absolutely and i think um i've taken many of james's classes now and i absolutely love them and do you know what i would say that we haven't touched on is i absolutely love the music that you use in them as well awesome i appreciate it, just, it. Uh, it James has his way of uh, getting the music to match up to it so beautifully that you end up breathing to the beat. And for someone who, I'm someone who likes to train with music and stuff. So for me, I, I find that really, um, yeah, really motivational. Awesome. Yeah, I think Yay. I said to you before, I feel more like a DJ these days in the breath work. So, uh... <laughs> and I always think of that when I listen to you as well, but I also think you have quite a nice, calming voice. So it kind of works with all the DJ or breath work, whatever you fancy. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's funny. I definitely spend more time looking for songs than I do like learning about or like trying to evolve my learning of breath work. So, um, yeah dj slash breath worker <laughs> amazing well cool combo um amazing and like we said you are going to be also available on the move your soul platform which i'm yeah. really excited about so um yeah absolutely lots of places to catch you well thank you so much for your time today pleasure, pleasure. thank you for having that's awesome pleasure have a wonderful rest of your day thank you and you Thank you so much for listening if you like the podcast please follow and share so we can continue to share the move your soul love if you want to know more about the Move Your Soul membership and how you can put our learnings into practice, remember you can use the code Move Your Soul Podcast, all capital letters at the checkout to get your first month free today. Simply go to moveyoursoul.co. By joining our community, you'll be able to access a whole host of strength training, mobility, yoga, breathwork, and animal flow sessions with varied durations and ability levels, all geared to help you move your body, connect to your true self, and keep you doing what you love better for longer. And lastly, if you'd like to connect personally with me, I'd love to hear from you. You can get in touch with me at kimhartwell.com or kimhartwell on Instagram. Thanks for listening. See you next time.